we're recording, right? Yeah. Okay. Chad was right. The critics need to shut up. <laughs> check themselves before they wreck themselves. Mm. I don't I I will say this. I don't understand as as you didn't understand the responses. I mean, everyone's totally everyone's feelings on a film or whatever it is. It's totally legit. Of course, everything is subjective. And critics are going to be critics. That's what their job. The snark I see online and also uh, I went to see the movie yesterday and yeah, okay, it's a Monday afternoon. But there were literally eight people in the theater. And I'm like, and I don't think this movie has embarrassed anyone. I don't think it will go down as being a huge flop. But I, I'm not sure why people weren't happier to see an indie film. And uh, especially one that is a really a fine capsulation and a fine capper. So mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I don't quite get it. I mean, we're yeah. doing our part. I, I will tell everyone I know who respects my opinion that uh, it's solid. And you're right. It's not It's not a Spielberg movie, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have uh, – it is slightly different, but the tone fits for the story they're trying to tell. Um, the pacing fits the kind of story they're trying to tell. The fan service is there, but I'd never found it incredibly obnoxious. There were a couple of times where I was like going, there's literally one one bit. It's no spoiler, but I'm like, we didn't need another bug scene. You know, it's like, it, yeah. it, I mean, I wasn't creeped out or anything. It, just like going, well, they, they didn't need that. I thought the thing with the sea mm-hmm. snakes was great. You know, where it's like, it's yeah. like uh, they're just they're just like snakes of the sea. It's like, they're not like snakes. Yeah. <laughs> They look like snakes. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> that was, was a bit. That was a little bit of Spielbergy humor there. No, no, they do. They do plenty of it. They yeah. do plenty of the the beats that you're expecting Indy to have, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, he's going to growl, he's going to shout, he's going to be excited like a kid at certain discoveries. I mean, all that stuff was there. He gets all, you know, he gets up against the dude who's literally built like a fucking giant, that guy. And he just, there's the, what you expect, the indie thing of like, oh God, well, <laughs> and yeah. he gets punched and he's like, oh, everything's there. And, and they are addressing, he's not the man he was and that's okay. He's aged. But the thing that was really poignant, which was just good writing. And of course, like you said, really great acting work i mean Mm -hmm. harrison was like yeah this is it man so so this is indie full stop the whole thing of of towards the end where he's helena is trying to save him his goddaughter is trying to uh save him and he's just like she goes you need to come back with me and he goes for who and the whole thing of like he's like going no my my time is totally done and there's nothing left that I need to do and no one wants me back in the place where I should be and then she's like going and luckily bad writing would have had her go well for me for one they didn't they just have her give him a look and the whole thing is there also full props I I'm sorry I love Ms Waller Bridge. I have had a crush on her since the beginning 
and she rises to the occasion. When I heard she was cast, I thought, well, she's kind of a flavor of the day, not the flavor because she's not hugely successful, but people love Phoebe Waller Bridge. But I'm like, um, I, I remember going like, well, action heroine. Sorry. That's not really on a resume. And I'm watching, I'm going, she's the same kind of human hero that indie is and she plays it perfectly where it's uh fun for her then it's dangerous she doesn't care then she does she basically is given all of indiana jones's arc mm-hmm. over multiple movies in one movie yeah well especially because, temple of doom yeah it's exactly. the, the for- fortune and glory thing i'm su- kind of surprised they didn't drop the fortune and glory line somewhere uh, yeah. in there yeah maybe maybe it was cut out no, the whole thing is that she goes from being the not amoral or immoral, but she goes from being the uh, roguish thief who doesn't really care and it's all about the money to becoming someone with a heart again. And she has a reason for that, too. It's not just because the story demands. It's like, right. Yeah. She was deeply hurt by her dad's slip into madness and then death and and Indy's not being there for her and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, that's why she became cynical and cold. But she clearly cares about people because she's got her own short round guy. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, dude, come on. It's basically the whole thing. So I loved it, man. I loved every second of it. I didn't find it slow. I thought the CG de-aging works for the most part. There's parts where I'm going, oh, yeah. I played this. I played this level. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. still a little uh-huh. video gamey. A little, little bit of Irish, uh, the Irishman. <laughs> a little bit of the, a little bit of the Irishman, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, you can't disguise the walk of an old man, but still, I, I did, I loved it, and God, yeah, I, I don't no, get it, and I, I also at the end, spoiler alert, not, mm-hmm. spoiler, and I thought the way they handled the mutt situation. A cynic could say they just don't want to ever deal with Shia LaBeouf again. But I would sit there going like, but I was like, it makes a certain amount of sense, specifically given this time frame. I'm like, yeah. And it's another gut punch. They're mm-hmm. they're showing that Indy has not had a charmed life. So I love the, and again, gave him room to that scene where he's talking about like, what would you do if you went back in time? I bet you want to check out Cleopatra. And then Indy goes, no, I'd uh, tell my son not to enlist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he just, whoa, sent yeah. that scene. Yeah. He, uh, so again, I agree with you. And I'm sorry that my enthusiasm is day after th- enthusiasm. And your enthusiasm is like four weeks later. Yeah. Enthusiasm. It's been a twice enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I might go see it again, actually. Well, again, money. I still want to see Oppenheimer. I want to see Barbie. I mean, I I, I want to see more of the new stuff. But good lord, I love so, it, man. We're we're deep into spoilers already. So I'm just going to ask you did you did you watch Kevin Smith's review after you saw it? No, I didn't. The one that I was yeah, complaining about. I, no, but I you know you you and John John knew what you were talking about because I talked to him about your response, and he goes he goes yeah, man. I, I don't know what the deal is. I'm like, I don't either. Well, but I Kevin, haven't watched it. Kevin went in and he tells, see, he details what his expectations were. He went in with very specific expectations of what the story was going to be oh. based on rumors that he'd heard and, and just oh. his imagination just running with it. 
which I understand that's that's what he does. He's a storyteller. He's a huge nerd fanboy. He I can't probably resist. would be the same way if I knew because I didn't follow any spoilers. At some point, I knew it had to do with time travel. That was mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, but I, I and I knew, of course, that sh- that they were introducing a new character who was going to be his goddaughter. That was all I knew. Yeah, yeah, and but he went in thinking because he 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 he'd heard about the time travel thing, so he's like, oh. So they're probably going to like do this all like this this he's going to revisit events from all the other movies. Uh, I like, thought it was going to be like such a Kevin Smith thing to want to happen. It's like, yeah. no, they didn't do that, Kevin. Why? You, it's like I was watching this review going, you fool. <laughs> you he completely be blinded like to how good the movie was. Where they yeah. would be bopping into yeah. moments from Indy's past. Uh, well, if that was his expectation, that is on him. And he should be smart enough to go. Well, you know, that was my fault, not theirs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had a story to tell. And actually, I appreciate I appreciate that they just drop in mentions of his past. Um, mm-hmm. but that's not it's not a greatest hits. No. It's literally him going like I mean, he mentions he goes, "Yeah, well, you know, you've never had to drink the blood of <laughs> of Kali and, and all that stuff and uh, there's little references and and the whole thing, which I really liked, which they has been in lots of indie where he goes, I don't know if I believe in magic, but I've seen some things that, you know, yeah, and, and that's seen like, some shit. <laughs> I've seen some shit. Ark of the Covenant, Holy yeah. Grail, aliens, motherfucker. So uh, Crystal Skulls and shit. So yeah. I don't need that. Kevin, I guess, needed that. And I didn't. I wanted to see a new indie film. And I actually thought, here's a hot take. The opening, which is um, the flashback to 1945, I didn't think it went on too long. But I was kind of like, we're dealing with the shaky, de-aging CGI stuff. And I was like, I would have wrapped this up a little quicker. Because we know what they're establishing. But he really did want to give us like a classic indie action sequence. And there's great stuff, the stuff on the train and all that. It's it's awesome. Yeah. And the whole thing of him, just like before with like, he steals a Nazi uniform and before, and he's trying to sneak off in a car and it ends up being the car that's transporting like the baddies. And he's like, Oh shit. Okay. I guess I'm the driver. All those little bits. I I totally loved, but the stuff I would have dealt with, I would have loved even more is India 1969. Yes, yes, I, I yes. The stuff with him, and because it is so perfect the way they bring him down, not that Indy needed it, but literally he just becomes a professor. He's not in the field anymore, and he's having people like go, oh, you've been here for a few years and you're retiring. Well, we've loved having you, Professor Jones. No one in his, in his none of his students are engaged they don't know anything about his history. He's still trying to teach some stuff that he loves, but they're like, you know, whatever. He's dealing with his hippie downstairs neighbor. And I'm glad that they made him a cranky old man, but for a r- proper reason, it's not like you long hairs with your pot smoking. No, it's just like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I have to go to work. You guys shut up with your <laughs> damn music. Yeah. And um, so I loved India in 1969 as the old dude. Yeah, and I can use more of that. There was so much uh, subtlety and and richness in the way that his old 
his old self was was portrayed and yeah i, I mean even just starting with the period the, the period depiction of 1969 in the film yes. was just gorgeous absolutely it really gorgeous was. they spent crazy the, amounts of money on that too. god i mean yeah, that, that parade that, scene. Block that they did uh, mm-hmm. that they built i don't know where that was maybe that was on a studio lot somewhere or it could have been cgi probably was i have no CGI. idea i think it was probably modern day new york that they yeah. cg retro yeah you know retrofitted or whatever you know the parade scene with of course i mean that was smart it's like of course uh, if it's 69, they're going to go like, yeah, we just landed on the moon. Plus our ma- main baddie is definitely a project paperclip German scientist brought over to be part of the rocket program. All mm-hmm. of that is perfectly chosen. And also the idea of these are the new American heroes. No one knows Indiana Jones. They don't know right. what he did. They don't know he's literally saved the world. Uh, but at the same, uh, the whole thing of him riding the horse by, the car that the astronauts are in the Apollo 11 astronauts. And it's not overdone. There's nothing like uh Neil Armstrong turn around going, who yeah. was that fella? But it's they didn't just deep like, fake the actual astronauts. Into the yeah. It just rides by them. He looks at it. He's kind of like, Oh, those are the, Oh, Hey buddy. You know, it's like real yeah. quick. And they're just like, who's that guy? Well, well, the idea yeah. of who's that guy. I've always loved the, the hero that is not, I mean, cause everyone in the world would know Superman if he showed up somewhere. Um, but I love the idea that, Oh, the guy, the old fart who just rode by on a horse, that guy <laughs> has literally held the cup of Christ. It's like mm-hmm. that guy, it's like you guys stepped on the moon. And he's I been did face like, to face with fucking Hitler. Yeah. For, yeah. All these all other, right. you know, well, God, well, if you conclude the, uh, the young Indiana Jones series. Yeah. That list goes I, on and on. And I did love the whole thing with, uh, well, when, uh, Helena's like going, Hey, you know, they landed on the moon. And he goes, yeah. He goes, moon's like Reno. <laughs> There's nothing there. <laughs> they yeah. don't even have like decent blackjack. That was great. The cranky old man. So anyway, I'm sorry, I'm gushy, but I yeah. loved it. I thought it was interesting that they, um, like the logo, they didn't do a pulp logo. They didn't do the classic Indiana Jones logo. Mm-hmm. It's on the poster, but not in the film itself. They have this like sort of plain text. It's like, interesting choice. And really smartly, I guess, Williams touches on the, 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 indie theme here and there but he doesn't give us the big bombastic indie score till the very very end yeah. over the credits so it's just like all these little drop-ins where you're like oh there it is yeah but i also yeah. like the fact that it's it's a it's a somber take yeah. which i liked it's, and plus again we we've been talking about time travel on the on our podcast yes. quite a bit yeah. And then the whole thing of like, I'm sorry, there's a nerd part of me that if I'm seeing like a World War II bomber flying over like uh, the Battle of Syracuse, you know, and there's there's fucking Greek galleons and stuff and they're firing spears. I'm like, oh, God, I love that shit. Yeah. I love that shit. And I can't believe uh, I've heard that some of the re- early reviews I saw people saying people saying, well, the, the ending gets weird. I don't know about the ending. Christian Harloff is one of these people who's like, ah, I'm kind of I don't know about the ending. Like, really, man? I, I I knew and I figured, you know, the rumor was very heavy that there was going to be some, some kind of time travel. And you see in the trailer the you can see them flying towards the portal in the trailer. I thought, well, that must be oh, oh, the time travel I don't thing. Think I even thing caught of the cloud. That. Yeah. 
but as far as what they were, where they were headed, what they were going to see, I had no idea. Of course, we get the hint when they when they get to Archimedes' uh, uh, tomb. Well, and you see- first, I mean, he's literally talking about Battle of Syracuse in his class. I mean, yes. all that's classic setup. It's, there's a lot and of setup. Then, yes, the Archimedes' tomb, and it's like, oh, right, this is the dial of Archimedes, and it's supposed to do this. And all this is made up bullshit. Yeah. And it all is great. Oh, yeah. When they get to the tomb and she yeah. goes, she goes, look at the freeze. He goes, yeah, it's a phoenix. It's his class. And she goes, no, no, look, no, it has colors. Yeah. And I'm and like, oh, he, and then he notices the watch. And I think, OK, so they're going to we're we're going back to the time of Archimedes. What I was wondering then is like, is somebody going to get be left there and actually become Archimedes? Like they're, they're, they're going to take on the my, uh, my brain was going Archimedes. somewhere yeah. in that. It was going and, somewhere in that, and I, I even thought there's. I mean, because okay, there was also Doctor Who uh, during the Amy Pond years. Matt Matt Smith. Uh, there was the classic thing with her boyfriend Rory uh, got left behind in Roman times and basically waited thousands of years to be with her again because his body, I guess, he had become right. kind of yeah. He was so like he immortal, was basically an immortal of sort of, but but he was just the schlub guy that was her boyfriend, you know, in modern day England. And so the whole thing of him accidentally getting left behind in Roman times and then waiting thousands of years to see her again. I was kind of thinking that, too. I was like, well, mm-hmm. maybe Indy does stay back here. Maybe he leaves a letter for his son or something like that. I kept thinking, like, maybe he will try to fix the the future. But that wasn't the point of the story. Even at that juncture, I was sitting there going, they've been aiming this whole thing towards accepting, just accepting the progress of time. And he knows, and Helen is like going, dude, you couldn't have stayed back there. You would have changed everything. Maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. But the whole thing is that, no, he has his place. And his place was from... 1908 or whenever he's born to whenever he is, ends up dying well and at that at that point too obviously he was swooning I mean, he was in the presence of the thing as he says i've been i've spent my whole life studying this I, i'm dying anyway he, yeah that's Just basically let me stay it, it, here yeah let me stay here because i won't last long she goes yeah. like i'm not gonna leave you to a bunch of leeches and poultices and it's like yeah, yeah. that's pretty good um, that whole scene, everyone involved, including the guy who played Archimedes, who's not in it for very long, but the way he understands things, and I really did respect, I mean, I'm no linguist, but I really respect it. I was like, guys, I'm so glad you didn't time tunnel it. I'm so glad there was nothing like going, who <laughs> yeah. are you? Where are you You're, from? Right, Instead, right. He's speaking ancient Greek, and I'm like, oh, thank God. And of course, mm-hmm. Indy understands it. I'm like, mm-hmm. every time they showed Indy, no one shit. I yeah. love that because it was also the one upmanship because Helen is really sharp. And so, and she's young and she's got all the energy, but every now and then she has to kind of look to him and he's like going, don't you get it? And I love it that it's like the old guy's like, I know this stuff. Okay. I yeah. may be slower, but I know this shit. And I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't get the complaints either too. saying, oh, they're, you know, she's, she's upstaging, uh, Indy. And if, when, they, they're no collaborating point. like all, they're collaborating. all throughout the film. It, th- and I also didn't... like that's not that's completely uh, in step with the classic series. I mean, yeah. mainly, of course, I mean, mainly, think of it of, the first movie, uh, mainly, I mean, of course, Marion. He does has any consequence, really. Yeah, like, he yeah. always gets up. He, he always gets thwarted at some point. Yeah. You know? 
She so just happens I, to be there to observe everything. That's going I, I on. didn't. I didn't think at any point that she upstaged him. It and he basically says he goes, he goes, yeah, well, you know, I used to be able to do that, but I'm older now. He's like <laughs> the whole thing of like, you're good, you're good, and I will say that this disappointment as far as box office is concerned and a lot of the critical dumping which i don't understand it is a well-made film the characters are on point i what else do you want i thought the script was actually smart Mm -hmm. i thought um it was really cool of antonio banderas to show up for what was basically a glorified cameo he was just like i just want to be in an indie movie and he is and he doesn't have much of a character but i still i was like yay Sala, they handled him really well. I was like, oh, and I really liked the part where he goes, two tickets. And he's like going, oh, no, Sala. Sala, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, go back to your family. I love that because Sala is still awesome, but they're again acknowledging like, this is for me to handle, but even I probably won't make it out because I'm crazy old. So are you. Go be with your awesome family. Yeah. That was touching and awesome. And again, I'll say this, the end. Man, I cried oh, like damn. a little baby. Uh, even for me, even more the second time, it was like, oh, God. I, and I don't know what people perfect. are saying about Nancy I'm still looking at her, and to me, she looks amazing. Yeah. I'm just sitting there going like, Indy plus Marion forever is what I wrote on the wall of the bathroom at the movie theater uh because they was just so good and touching and awesome and the way they did the the iris out on the hat on the hat yeah uh, on the the, the 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 fishing line well no uh, on the very uh, yeah when he grabs it the very very yeah, yeah 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 the whole thing of her saying like and it's again a worse writer would have overdone it instead of what they did, which is we're smart. We get it. Cause when she's saying like, I heard you were back. Are you back? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about, are you physically back from ancient Greece or are you fit? She's like going, are you, has your spirit returned to what you mm-hmm. used to be? And it has nothing to do with the body, what he's able to do. It's just like, are you open again? And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, forget it, man. I'm yeah. sitting there going like, you guys with me? The eight of you? <laughs> hey, should we all go out for pizza? <laughs> Actually, at the beginning, I'll say this, at the beginning, it uh, I wasn't crazy early. I was maybe 10 minutes early, but um, it was just me and another woman in the theater uh, when I first got in. And she was probably in her uh, mid-40s. Uh, and she goes... She goes, I know there's assigned seats. I think you could sit anywhere. And I was like going, yeah. And she goes, uh, and then when I got up later, she goes, if you're going out, give me a hot dog. She goes, everything <laughs> on it. And I was like going, I was like, yeah, I think we got the place ourselves. How many you want? And I, <laughs> she and she and I was like, yeah, this is pretty nice. We got the whole place. And she goes, it's just for us senior citizens. I went, yeah. <laughs> and then more people showed up. But I was I was sitting there going like, I don't care if it's just me in the theater, but I was just disappointed. Uh, I could tell that people were enjoying it. Like there, there was a a group of uh, younger people behind me, but they were getting all the dropped references. They also chuckled when you hear Sala singing in the stairwell. British Tars. Yeah. 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 yeah, And they're like going, Oh, and I'm like, all right, you guys know. 
you I love that. I love that little touch. It's it's full of a lot of little touches. The mm-hmm. overt stuff, like the bug scene, that I felt wasn't necessary. It didn't detract, yeah. but I was like, going, they're ticking off some boxes, and it's like, okay, we got to have that. Yeah. And I think there was, this was one of the things that Kevin Smith complained about. Cause in the trailer, you see a big boulder, like from the first movie, uh, in the, the tomb of the idol. Yeah. Rolling towards them right, very oh. briefly in the trailer. I suspect I apparently did not slow that trailer down to watch yeah. every little thing. And is that the thing he was like, that was, it's, it's, why isn't that there? They cut it from the film and I'm guessing it was probably in that same sequence. It was like a greatest hits of. Indiana, right. Indiana Jones tomb that any tomb is going to have a huge boulder. So we got the bugs, we got the boulder, and God knows what else was in there. And and that's that's that was an example, I think, of of um, them being smart and saying of, that's of, too much of Mangold's sort of restraint at not going super heavy into fan service because he doesn't. You know, it, it was more, way more about the story itself. And yeah. again, that's what I loved about the ending too, because it was you, you, we knew there was. It has to be. You have to have some big you know, uh, supernatural set piece at the end of an indie film. And the way they did this one, I think might, might be my favorite out of all of them. Um, it's like, of course I love the first movie. You can't top that. Um, you really, can't top it. But this emotionally, the, the emotional beats of this scene, when they go back to Syracuse. And for, for me, I was, I have heard a lot of other people saying this, that they were literally on the edge of their seat during this part. It was like, Oh wow! Oh wait, did they actually get back to 1930? Because at first they show you the ships and there's a war. Yes, you know, yeah. You, you see things flying around and think, oh, I guess it is World War II, but that doesn't. But if you thought about it, it doesn't make sense. Wait, 30, 1939? Why would there be a naval yeah. battle in 1939? Right. You're absolutely correct. And then gradually you figure it out, and it's like, oh wow! And yeah. it's every single beat from there to, to God, it was just perfect. Like when the the spear, it's just so yes. It, it, this Mike Stuckelasa from uh, from Red Letter Media was was really praised this this whole sequence because he loved it. It was like a bit schlocky, like kind of old B movie thing. Like you've got Nazis shooting Romans and, and the big spears coming through. And I love that the American agent who's working or mercenary, whoever, because they didn't really explain. I mean, I know he ended up being attached to the detail for Doc Doctor Schmidt. I love that it's schmidt and jones like smith and jones i love that even though the guy's real name isn't schmidt but but the whole thing of um and he's perfectly played by boyd what's his name holbrook thank you very much yes boyd holbrook from sandman yes from sandman the corinthian and is really amazing on this new season of justified he's the bad guy and justified cool he just he's really good at these parts i'm like Mm -hmm. yeah you're a little too good at being this guy but the whole thing of him like going fuck it i'm taking him down the whole thing of him at the guns going yeah eat that (laughs) you greeks because he's about to crash but he's just literally using the machine guns on these trojans and greeks and and they're like dragons (laughs) he's like again i love that stuff it is yeah because don't forget ever with Indiana Jones, it's pulp adventure. Even now that he's 89 fucking years old, <laughs> joking. Um, it's, it's about that kind of stuff. So anyone who would have a problem with time travel and in, I would only have had a problem with it, as I always say, if it were not handled well. And I thought it was handled really well. It's cheesy and pulpy just enough, but they're not time tunneling. I mean, they're giving us the battle the way it's sort of believed to have happened. And Archimedes, again, isn't like time travel, right? Yeah, I figured. Hey, how you guys doing? Where are you from? You know, instead, he's like, 
but he does click. It's all smart. And I love the way he's got his own men and his own, his own two guys with a bow and arrow, like don't get close to those guys. And he's like, no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I think they're okay. Plus that yeah. old dude is bleeding to death right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, Oh God, I'm sorry, man. I loved it. I'm getting all, I want to go see it again. That moment, mm. one of my favorite moments with and during that battle is when the spear comes through the side of the plane right next to Indy. Yeah. And his first reaction is go, oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then yeah, he realized he can, he can cut his, uh, his, his binds with it. It's literally him going like, artifact. Oh, yeah, But it's yeah. not old. It's like, this is the genuine, and then he's like, oh, wait, yeah, I should, I should keep it. Yeah, I should cut <laughs> my My favorite bit in that is before they get through the portal. My favorite part is actually Indy Again, being the smarter guy, and he starts go- and he just goes continental drift, and he just starts laughing. And he goes, he didn't know about continental drift. He goes, I don't know where we're going, but it ain't going to be in 1939. And it's yeah, like, oh my god, was, yeah. I love Indy, like basically going, you idiot. And then again, Mads Mickelson is of course great. The whole thing, like him going, oh, I got to think about this. I got to think of that. Like we're going towards the portal. No, hold on, hold on. Maybe we should abort. <laughs> We're literally being sucked in. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I, I thought it was a nice touch too, where you've got uh Teddy uh, behind them in this plane that he stole. Yes. And, uh, and it turns out that the pilot of the plane, that was the, good. The because the plane, Teddy had ended up being like this. I mean, even though he'd been studying the idea that he would have been this natural prodigy, it's yeah. like he was able to get it started and up in the air, but I'm glad the guy was back there going like, Right. Well, this is my plane. What are you doing? Yeah. So it added this, yeah, this, this, this degree I love the of, idea of that pilot, that pilot. Yeah. To, to wake up gonna, into that. What is he going to tell people when he gets yes. back to 1969? Like, right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. I may have been in the past with a little boy. Don't read into that. Yeah. So I it made the situation, like you say, it made the situation a little easier to swallow. Yeah. Made, made the fact that, getting home you know obviously it was, yes. would have been too much if teddy had actually managed to land the plane yeah. but also adding a, a little like you say like being kind of like kind of putting the audience into the film even right. more it's like say so here's a guy who has no idea what's going on he's just been dropped into this and like holy shit i, I love that because it, yeah we don't get a, any uh well let's spin that's a good trick you know from yeah yeah <laughs> Phantom Menace. I liked Teddy. I I thought he didn't have as much of an identifying character as like a short round. Teddy was was good, but I was like, they should have given him something other than I'm just her bodyguard kid. He clearly yeah. has a crush on her. I guess that's the one thing. And plus, you know, we, uh, Teddy's not running around saying you call her Doctor Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> he just he uh, the only the only personality quirk he seems to have is that he. He's a natural like street kid and seems to be multilingual to some degree. I did like that every time they ended up somewhere else, he could at least do it. Like when he ends up in Italy and they're making fun of him or whatever, he's like going, scoozy. He's like every place they end up, he can say a few words and it's like, wow, Teddy's pretty smart, which is, I guess, probably because he's been hanging out with Helena. Um, yeah. And I like that Helena is got the libido of a young woman too. the whole thing. And she's like going, oh, hello. She's looking at sailors. She's looking at the Italian guys. I'm like going, I know they're trying to launch you into your. That's what I was about to say earlier. One of my main disappointments that this should not have performed as well is I think that that means that they will probably go. We don't need the adventures of Wombat. 
I would love to see Wombat Shaw doing some more stuff. I just thought, you know, it's clear they're trying to set her up to take over the mantle. And I'm okay with that. I would be okay with it. To see some pulpy adventures set in the 60s, early 70s. Yeah. More Helena, please. Sign me up. It'd be great. A, a moment I was thinking of earlier, and I didn't had, didn't really think about this till you mentioned that scene. You know where the his uh, Indies, uh, you know, college age uh, neighbors, yeah. are blaring the Magical Mystery Tour. And then when he goes to knock on his door, they don't go, "Oh, hi, Mister Jones." They're like, oh, "No, hey, Mister Jones." They like you know, him, you know. Yeah, they, they they kind of patronize him a little bit. Like, dude, yeah. this is kind of important, so just deal with it. You know, we're not going to turn the music off. Just go watch the TV like everybody else. Well, uh, yeah, they, they're either really stoned, but it, it's also clear that it they do like the guy. I like that, yeah. too. And, yeah. and I like the fact that he just knocks and he's like, nope, using the bat. Boom, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah. But and he's like, and he that- knows his name. It's not like you kids. He's like, George, come on. Yeah. man. <laughs> that, that's what I mean about subtlety. Like there was a, a lot of backstory in that one yeah. moment, just in their reaction to and him. Here's another great the, thing. Here is another great thing. God damn. Let's just talk about this movie for the rest of the whole. Uh, but I'll just say this. The, the Again, there's a smartness that I'm sure comes from Mangle, but I'm sure also came from Harrison Ford, where, yeah, we're in a pulp adventure, but consequences happen. So the whole thing where he comes out after he's escaped from the dudes in the, he's in the college storeroom, there's the whole big shootout. He does the, um, Evie from the mummy knocking over all the shelves and things. And, but then he runs out and he finds his coworkers who've been shot. The whole thing of him literally just, he kneels down and mm-hmm. you see it again because he's so good. There's no overall dialogue. It's just that it's like, these people were good people. Why are they dead? There is no reason for this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, he see, you see the impact. He realizes that he has gotten other innocent people killed, whether or not on purpose, but, and then him going to the phone instead of him, like going into action mode, he's just like, police, there's been a shooting here. I mean, that's a human thing. That's not an Indiana Jones of like, I'll get revenge for you. And so he's like going, uh, I'm at Hunter College. Uh, there's been gunshots. People are dead. And I'm like, yeah, human hero who is grieving the fact that these people who asked for nothing, because that was brutal. Like she gets shot and then the other guy shows up and he's just boom right in the head. Yeah. And I thought the the woman that because they like who's this mysterious woman that's been following helena and then you find out she's actually cia yeah but she's forced to work with these guys that are you know you know part of the nazi plan but but uh because she's good she's doing Mm -hmm. her job and she constantly goes don't pull guns on innocent people that's not how this is supposed to go and then of course yeah she gets it she she gets it yeah that was uh that was one thing. And here, let's, let's get into what, because you touched on a few of the things to the quibbles that you could have with the film. Cause I do, uh, there are, I, really, there are some, I mean, not many, I, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, there, there are, there are some faults, but none of it even came close to taking me out of the film. Really. We've got the, the CGI in the beginning. Yeah. Which, which it's kind of funny to me. Like the first, as soon as they take the bag over off his head and you get to say, look, here's young Indy. And then they, they they go a step further by shining a flashlight in his face, like yeah. Look at the CGI yeah. beautiful <laughs> yeah. face, like you're just making it worse, guys. Uh, actually, <laughs> mostly the, the close ups 
were where they put all their work into. And the close-ups are pretty good. Like, the acting seems to be pretty... But it's all those middle shots it's, and then the far away stuff where it's stunt double guy with ghosted on young indie face. And you're like, yeah, and, but I, I just had just like I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, OK, I can see the film Candy Valley is there. I'm just yeah. going to enjoy this this scene because it is an incredibly blocked uh, action scene from yeah. start to finish. So there's that. And that's fine. But uh, the the thing about the, the brutalness, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it was it was important to have these villains like. You know, they're not just comic booky, you know, he 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 twirling mustache guys. <laughs> they're they're dangerous. And I, I get that they did that too. It was a little depressing for me, like when we get to meet uh, Antonio Banderas and his crew of of uh uh fishing guys, and they're all just these lovable characters. Yeah. You don't really get get to know them very well, but they're all just like, Oh, this these guys are cool. And of course they all die. It's just, yeah. it's like that was brutal too. And I'm I'm I, But I think I, the film I, one thing I'm trying to underscore because yeah. literally um, they have on purpose. They have Helena going like, "Dude, we're living in Indiana Jones." He goes, "My friend was just murdered." Yeah, that I was mean, important. It's important that he's like, and that was just like the the lady and the the guy in the college. He is aware that an Indiana Jones adventure is costing good people their lives. Yeah, but that was one moment where I was like, going, ah. I really didn't yeah, want those characters to die. <laughs> Me either. Me either. But there was a point, like you say, there was a point to it. Um, and then there was the thing we talked about with the the, the bugs. We already talked about, it. yeah, the bugs yeah. thing was not really necessary. I, and I would say too, and I, I get what and Mike Stuckel also again from uh, from Red Letter Media did say this too that he they, he would have been happy with just old indie, like just start the movie in 1969. It would have been great. Old indie is awesome. But I, I agree with him. We we didn't need the, the beginning scene. But I'm glad it's there all the same because it is. Yeah, I literally, odd, I, I really think it could have, and it wasn't about me getting bored. It was about me saying exactly the same things of like, well, I know what you're trying to do, which is put us back in classic indie world, but it could have been shortened. I would have edited it down some. It's like we, it seems sure. too prolonged for all it needed to set up was his relationship with uh, Toby Jones's character, mm-hmm. Shaw. Yeah, uh, Baz and uh, and and the the dial and what happened to the dial. That's all they needed to do. So they could have really chopped it. And then we wouldn't have also been so caught up with constantly looking at de-aged face. And, and because it that takes away a little bit from action adventure. I mean, when they did, the, <laughs> I mean, obviously different time, different tech, but they did not, you know, you could have cast a young person maybe to have been indie and or what? Well, maybe not because that's supposed to be 1945 indie. Cause here I am thinking it's like, you well, know, river Phoenix was not D H Harrison Ford. He was just river Phoenix playing a young Indiana Jones. So no, I, I take that back. Well, they're dealing they with 1945 indie, they, but they could have shortened they, it. What they could have done. And I'm kind of surprised that they didn't do this because it's been proven time and time again that, actual deep faking effects are just better than what they did. The CGI yeah. de-aging, which is the, what they did in the Irishman too. Uh, and you know that pretty soon it's going to start popping up. And when the, when the video comes out, when the movie comes out on video, we're going to have YouTubers People saying I can do better it better versions. Yeah. And they yeah. will, they will do it better and they'll edit it down. They'll, they'll make it more streamlined. Just like like they saying, did saying. with the uh, Mandalorian young Luke. So what they could have, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to get into is that they, they could have had a younger, actor stand in basically the stunt double 
yeah. doing the physicality and then use de-aging to put uh, young Harrison yeah. Ford's face on there and maybe even have a, maybe, maybe not a voice actor, but maybe use something like AI or something. I will something say to his that voice. one of the things that, that again, just like the Irishman. Somebody's going to do all this. <laughs> yeah, they will do all that. But, but just like in the case of the Irishman, one of the giveaways is not only movement, it is yeah. voice because his voice is aged. Uh, you know, even <laughs> as goofy as it seems, if they had shown young Indy getting punched in the throat at the very beginning, and then he's like, "Hey, wait a minute, what's going on?" <laughs> I mean, i I would have, I would have accepted that more because 1945 Indy shouldn't sound like 1969 Indy, and that's nothing on Harrison Ford, who's of course acting up a storm. But, but our voices change over time, so he can't sound like you know 35 year old. Harrison Ford anymore. He just can't. Um, you know, that's why they created the whole like thing with for uh, you know, uh, using uh James Earl Jones's syllables and stuff and then they could just type in whatever they need him to say. Mm-hmm. Again, technology's getting better and helping us with this stuff. The question is, should we be doing this? I don't know. But as long as the actors are okay with it, then why not? Um, I will say I'm glad this was the last simply because they addressed everything about the end of a legend and the old man who still has a spark, but it should be allowed to rest now and that kind of thing. I mean, I just thought, great. And it handled it with respect and humility and all the stuff I wanted um, because I don't like Mary suing. If he had shown up and had just been the ultimate badass indie, with no acknowledgement of the passage of time and everything was just him like going like, ah, no problem. Bang, bang, bang. I'm like, no, no, this shows him literally running to the best of his ability. He just can't run like he used to. Mm -hmm. The whole thing of like Helena gets there first. And then Indy kind of like, yeah, I'm here now. I loved it. Again, I, I just thought it was all good, except for, I will say this. Here's a nitpick. It can't be the same hat. (laughs) because the hat is in such good shape in this movie and i'm sitting there going that's a hat that he got when he was what 16 off of a guy on a train and he's used it in every adventure and i'm like going the sweat alone my cap right here the shield cap i've only had this for like four years yeah i've tried to clean it but i'm so i I was looking at that hat in this movie going like that is a brand new stetson fedora (laughs) there is no nicks no stains it's not faded like come on man yeah uh but anyway that would have been that would have been uh funny and I, i'm glad they didn't do this but any some other director might have been tempted to do this like he goes he goes home into his closet and he's got a he's a got a bunch of hats. he's got a bunch of uh, i actually thought it would have been cool if uh uh or they could have done something like in the flashback to the last time he saw wombat like when she's 12 years old and her dad's gone crazy and Indy takes the dial. Uh, it would have been cool if she had, like, I got you something. And like she had gotten him a hat, brand yeah. new hat. And yeah. that's the one he's wearing in 69. Yeah. Um, because it's just unrealistic that that hat would still be holding up. I know. So. I, know. I, I had that same thought watching the end. Like that, that the last shot. Like, yeah, really the same hat. And he's had yeah. for 30 years. One thing, it's a darker brown. That's how yeah. my brain works. I'm sitting there going, it's a darker brown. It's clearly too new. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because. No, 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 no. Oh. There's so many. I mean, 
a lot of things you have. Well, the, this this I didn't even notice when I saw it the first time was that there is a loose thread Uh-oh. in the story. Uh, not exactly a plot hole, but it's just something that's not mentioned again. And I, when I saw it? it again, I realized it's not really that big of a deal. Well, the fact that he's 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 kind of been framed for murder in the right. news by the CIA, I assume, because they probably because they want him to they want to find him to to talk to him. I'm not sure exactly why, but you know. That's when 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 Sala shows up to to uh, give him a ride. Sala has to punch out this guy who's just accused. Of, oh, the Tim, it's the killer. Blah blah yeah. blah. It's on the TV. It's on TV. Huh? No, that's never that's never really mentioned again when they get back. And it, clearly, it's been cleared up. But there is a scene. I I noticed this in the in the second the second time I watched. Because how would he even prove to the CIA that? Well, the, any the of CIA that stuff knew. just happened. The CIA knew it wasn't him. And the, you see, there's a scene in the in the plane right before. The CIA agent we're talking about, uh, the Afro, who, who she, she gets, I forget her character's name, but she gets killed in, that, in the yeah. plane. She's on the phone with right. the office and yeah. they're talking about the details of what happened. And it's clear that they know that Indy didn't, because she's there and she told, <laughs> right. him what happened. she told him everything that happened. Okay, yeah. So they were yeah. like, oh, well, he's been cleared of all charges, which is why he's able to live in that same apartment above George, yeah. who is stoned out of his mind right now. Right. So um, I, I think. I think they just they, they cleared his name because there was no point after after that. So, I think I, I the whole implication that because it, it it I mean clearly Schmidt is Werner von Braun if he were a rabid Fourth Reichist who wants to bring back the right, uh, which was not the case. But the whole thing of like oh yeah Nazi rocket scientists, but the whole thing is they're only doing all this nonsense with the dial because he he got them to the moon. And so basically the CIA is like, go just make sure he's safe, but let him do whatever he wants. It's like, if he wants to go to the Aegean for whatever reason, just humor him. She's like, all right, that's my detail. So, but he's got this whole plan. I do like the little dropping of the seed at the very beginning when they go to Schmidt's, Oh man, the scene with him and the, um, uh, the bell hop waiter guy. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I mean, necessary because we have to hate him. But oh, God, that was uncomfortable. But anyway, when they first walk in and you've got Boyd Holbrook sitting there with the learned German Berlitz book and he's practicing his German because he's <laughs> aware. He's like, I'm going back in time. I'm going to be with Hitler and stuff. I'm going to World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> right. That might not have been how he did it. Um, and I like the way they took out the giant drowning yeah. the giant and teddy swapping the handcuffs and stuff that was good it's good yeah because yeah. everyone in the theater actually that's a villain but the whole idea of being like forced to drown because you've been handcuffed to a great under everyone in the theater was kind of like oh, oh yeah yeah i, I thought for sure that, that guy was gonna break you free yourself though. yeah i kind of thought so too i, I was i, I thought was he would rise up at up. some point yeah but it was good i mean you didn't need it yeah no no, they kept whittling them down to where it was just like a couple of the pilots and Boyd Holbrook and Mads Mickelson. So I'm sorry, I, I, we talked over each other there. What were you saying about that scene? No, I was saying it remember? was good. Okay. They just kept whittling. <laughs> it was a good scene. Yeah, yeah. I want you forcing me to say something I didn't want to say, Chad. <laughs> uh, the one other thing, too, and this is just uh, just one of those things you have to overlook when at the end of that the 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 train scene where yeah. uh schmidt or whatever his real name is i forget 
Burn. What's it? What's uh, Mad Mad Mads They called real him name? Schmidt so long that I can't remember what his real <laughs> name was. Oh, anyway, yeah. When he he gets knocked off the train by that sign. And they're traveling like at you know sixty miles an hour down the train. Oh track. yeah, I expected him to have some sort of in the face. Well, number one, he wouldn't have survived that. Begin no, with. he wouldn't have survived that. No, and they don't ever even ever address it, which is. Well, sort I of like, thought he would have some like typical yeah, thing, like a recognizable. Yeah. This is my villain mark. or an eye patch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because literally, you would be messed up. The side of your face would have caved in at the very least. So that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. I think that they didn't have yeah. this. God damn it, Jones, you know, yeah. you, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of confused as to why they did. It almost makes me think they filmed the the beginning scene after <laughs> they shot oh, the, uh, oh. the opening stuff. I don't know. That was kind of a bizarre choice, but I don't mind that. that this is saying like John Campia was one of his, he liked the film, but he, one of his uh, quibbles was, I don't know. I thought they, some of the action and was like, not, you know, a little too hard to swallow. Like, you know, there's no way that Indy would have survived this or that, especially oh, being 80 oh, years I'm old. I'm sorry. Like, Let's go back to Temple of Doom with let's the inflatable, look at all the films. inflatable yeah. raft dropping out of a <laughs> plane and then sliding down a snowy mountain. Yeah. There's uh-uh. every movie has stuff. The refrigerator like, no. and the atomic bomb. Well, you know, yeah. okay. And the thing well, is, even it, going back to the first movie and it being dragged under the truck, with nothing but a True. leather jacket to protect him. Yeah. That would have torn him to shreds. It would have torn him to shreds. And the same thing happens in this one, except for he's flipped and it's the top of that thing. And I was like, well, they'll show the jacket shredded, right? No. Like even the, I'm like, that's the toughest leather jacket ever in the world. Damn. Yeah. Um, that, that's what these movies are. That's what I, these movies are. They're pulp adventure. And you got to yeah. let that stuff go or exactly. you're not having fun with it. I'm exactly. still okay with the aliens. I just wish that movie had been smarter mm-hmm. and better. But I'm still okay with aliens and crystal skulls. I want to I'm watch it again. I, I've I've seen I've listened to a couple of podcasts and reviews recently where people have gone back to re- watch the movies, you know, for a retrospective perspective on uh, on the new one. And several people going, you know what, you know, crystal skull is not as bad as I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to. Then now all the all the uh, Indiana Jones movies are on Disney Plus. By the way folks in case yeah. you didn't notice there just recently, in the past month or something i can't remember when they popped up because they, they weren't always there um so yeah 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 watch it see what you think uh also guys i'm gonna put in my personal appeal go see dial of destiny yes it's good did you ever like an indiana jones film if you just said yes to that go see this yeah i do agree with people saying that literally it is the third best yeah, in my, I mean, it's the third best Indiana Jones film out of five, which is saying th- something. So you my, put Temple it, of Doom after it? Yeah, I love I Temple of Doom. I, would too. I yeah, do, I do. but uh, I enjoyed this more mainly because it is cumulative. Um, it, it's about the end of a story, so it just it's got a more emotional beat to me. So yeah, Raiders, Last Crusade, Dial of Destiny. Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull. There you go. And I would still watch Crystal Skull. I'm telling yeah. you. It's like the character himself is what I'm there to see. Mm-hmm. Um, because all, and I give credit to all the people involved. Obviously Lucas. Obviously Spielberg. Obviously Phil Kaufman. Obviously, uh, our, our, oh, why am I blanking? Uh, great screenwriter man. 
Lawrence Kazan. Thank you, Lawrence Kazan. Man, I'm getting old. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Harrison Ford. But they created this great character mm-hmm. who, even in weaker entries in his legend, is always worth watching. God yeah. damn. Yeah. Anyway, I'm okay. I'm better now. I'm glad we got to talk about it. What do you want to talk about now? <laughs> did you have a chance to watch the uh, the Uncle Crocs block? I did. Place, did you? <laughs> and that you? McDonald's commercial, which I remembered. That <laughs> McDonald's commercial, I'll say this. Uh, and for the people at home, there was a, uh, the actor that, is it Robert Ridgely? Robert Ridgely. Um, he, big voiceover guy, but you'd be surprised if you saw him, how many movies you'll recognize him from. Okay, well, let's he, back up first. To oh, tell people, remind people what Uncle Croc's block is. First, oh, I give, will. Gives people some context. Yeah. Back when Chad and I were uh, gushing, and that's a term I don't like using a lot, over Charles Nelson Riley. Uh, yes. And and we've been talking a lot about seventies Saturday morning TV. And I brought up mm. Uncle Croc's block, which was a later uh, Charles Nelson CNR jam. It was a later <laughs> CNR jam, and it was actually pretty funny because they were trying to do like a uh parody of kids television that was also for kids but the adults got there's lots of winks to adult stuff too and it was very laughing like a lot of quick little bits um and uncle croc is the host of this fictional kids show and it's charles nelson riley in a crocodile outfit god bless him and he's got a he's got a cohort named rabbit ears so of course it's another actor in a rabbit costume with a tv in his stomach this is before the teletubbies by the way just saying i didn't even think about that yeah yeah but uh so part of uh one of the things that chad i guess when you were looking stuff up about it you found a clip that made you laugh and i did remember they would have guest appearances that were parodies of, of other kinds of TV. And Robert Ridgely, very talented voice actor and character actor, they had as a recurring guest who was Steve Exhaustion, Steve Exhaustion, the $6.95 man. So it's their <laughs> parody of Steve Austin, the $6 million man. And it's pretty funny. Basically, the whole gag is he'll like Uncle Croc will have him out and he'll come out dressed a little bit like in, you know, in the kind of 70s duds that that Lee Majors would have had on. But what's funny or weird about it is he's doing his really cartoonish John Wayne impression. He's not doing a Lee Majors he's, impression. He's not doing Lee Majors. No. So he's he's a, he's a cheap android. Obviously, the whole gag is he's the six dollar ninety five cent man. And it comes out talking like this. And you're like, what the hell is that? And then it's like, shake my hand, Uncle Croc. And then his hand will come off. There's a bunch of wires. And he's like, oh, I'll just put that back on. Um, So that's the whole gag. He's a cheap Android guy. The bit is is funny. And I I forgot the thing till I watched the clip you found. Because I haven't watched Uncle Croc's block since I was a kid. Yeah. But they kept having cutaways to Jonathan Harris, a.k.a. Dr. Smith from Lost in Space. And he's just commenting. It's very much like laughing. So, like, yes, Steve yeah, Exhaustion totally. will do something stupid and then cut to Jonathan Harris in a rakish beret. And he just goes, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, oh, sadness. The pain. He did, oh, the oh, pain, which was the <laughs> Dr. Smith thing he would say in Lost in Space. Yeah. But it's, just, it's like also like Monty Python where they cut in for half a second someone going, 
lemon curry and instead this right, is literally yeah. just jonathan smith going oh no yeah this will not go well <laughs> so it's stupid but i still appreciate it and it's again it's all these character actors who are above and beyond and yeah so steve exhaustion i why is that uh, word tricky for me is steve <laughs> exhaustion exhaustion I don't drink, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what's happening <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was it, Robert Ridgely's performance is almost sublime in the fact that he he goes so far in the he direction of very. I'm, I'm entertaining kids, basically saying yes. like like the silly uncle who's yes, literally, literally in, in his well, home. Being cartoon characters his, on purpose. his nephews or whatever. Yeah, yes. You know, well, well, here I come. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, boop, yeah. Boop, 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 boop. And he goes, well, hold on. I'm a uh, he goes, uh, it's time to run. <laughs> and you're like, are you okay? <laughs> my, my favorite moment, I, I this is one of those things I kept wa- rewinding and playing over and over again because it made me laugh so much, was in the one, the, one of the clips I sent you. He starts short-circuiting when he sneezes. It yes. So then Uncle Croc fixes it by opening a panel on, the, on his back and sticking some chewing gum onto this computer panel and yes. closing it. And, and, and Robert Ritchie's like freaking out. Going, oh, oh. And he sits down and, and after he puts the chewing gum in, he's like, he does this, he does this <laughs> expression when he snaps, when he snaps to like back into character. like, hmm. <laughs> And it's almost like this Elvisy moment. <laughs> I, just, I just thought, that's so great. It's so great. You love you some 1970s character actors. I think we've discovered you've got a deep love of these guys. Well, that and that 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 was just Robert Ridgely, and I didn't really know much. I'd recognize him, obviously, but that yeah, that that and that surprisingly, touch of his dramatic acting. He's played a lot of over the years bad guys in movies and TV shows. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. he actually can be pretty menacing. And then, of course, me, I'm just sitting there going, oh. He was the voice of Filmation's Flash Gordon and Filmation's yeah. uh, Tarzan. So, oh, God. Tons yeah. of voiceover work. I oh, was looking tons, at his, Tons of it. Yeah. Those are just MDB. a couple of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. The guy balanced out because he's the kind of guy who's like, you see him in an episode of The Love Boat, but he's also getting steady work doing Thundar the Barbarian. And it's just that guy never stopped working. And. He sings really well in a McDonald's commercial. I, I found it because I was reading his Wikipedia article and so they mentioned that in there. Like my, my burger machine is like something like there's nothing more clean than my burger machine or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but I managed to find this, this commercial. What, on YouTube. What, do you know what year that was from? It's seventies clearly, but 78, 70s, probably. Yeah, I the don't thing know. I love about it is the focus of that commercial. And I remember that jingle like crazy. And I remember that commercial. But I never stopped to think that the entire focus of that commercial was on how clean McDonald's is. Mm. At no point are they talking about good food or tasty. They're just saying, <laughs> we clean. are very clean here. Yeah. And and so it's a bunch of workers back there. And I noticed a couple other guys I've recognized from other things. So, But it's character actors and very, they're all white. They're all in very, very clean. Uh, snappy McDonald's uniforms, and they're just cleaning the kitchen. They're going, what was the one line? Something with a broom and a mop yeah. from the bottom to the top, or whatever the fuck. I was like, oh Jesus Christ! And it's a, uh, and it ends up with a, you deserve a break today. That's like the mm-hmm. classic seventies McDonald's thing. You deserve a break today, so get up and get away. I love the way going. So get up. 
pieces of shit. <laughs> Get away to McDonald's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's surreal. That's well worth looking up. And no McDonald's I've gone into in the past few years could claim any of the things that they claim in that country. <laughs> yeah. They're all pretty fucking dirty. Yeah. Yeah. They've never seen a broom or a mop. <laughs> so okay. Uh what else? A couple more things. Yeah, I'm uh, I ready. Did, I did go see I did go see Oppenheimer last night. Um, uh, I, last night. I like, I am looking forward to seeing it. It's, uh, it is really good. It is I hear it's very a real pick me up. Yeah. It's, it's very long. It, they say yeah, it's, a uh, the feel good hit of the summer. Is that what they keep yeah. saying? <laughs> no, no, but it, it is very engrossing. Um, very complex story. So there's a lot. I will just tell you now, there's a lot you're going to miss as the story is going on. Cause there's a lot of information being thrown sure. at you throughout the entire film. But my God, is is it amazing? It's an amazing, amazing movie. So many great performances too. Um, uh, it's an my, amazing cast, and Nolan's a good director who doesn't understand Batman. <laughs> wow, you're not going to let that go. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's uh, still a great director. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's let's. I know we mentioned this in that past episode, but your your complaint with. Nolan and Batman had to do with his reaction to uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, his girlfriend's death in the second movie. Basically, the first two. uh, I enjoyed Batman Begins and Dark Knight. I did enjoy them. I had nitpicks about them. Mainly, you could tell Nolan, and he stated it. He's like, he's fascinated by the character, but he's not a comic book guy. And he resists the fantastic elements of comics. So that included costumes, except for Batman. You know, it's like color. There's no color in that world because he doesn't want it. He wants it to be this drab, real world. So Scarecrow is just a guy in a suit. Oh, played by Oppenheimer, um, who who puts on a burlap sack. His Joker is a guy who paints his own face for effect. Instead of him got being a guy who falls in a vat of chemicals. So, I mean, in other words, I was accepting of it because the two movies were good. Then in the third movie, the very beginning of Dark Knight Rises is him admitting, I don't get char- this character at all. Mm-hmm. Because what we discover is the end of the previous movie, um, when, you know, unfortunately, Bruce Wayne's girlfriend is blown sky high and he's not able to save her. Um, we find out that Bruce Wayne was so upset about that, that he literally spent eight years hobbling around Wayne Manor, growing a beard, gave up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there going, that is a to the bone misreading of the character because grief and injustice are the man's fuel. He -hmm. would have gone even harder core into crime fighting, possibly really ultra violently, but he would have reacted by doubling down. So Bruce Wayne is not someone that retreats and hides out for eight years until someone says, don't you think you should go back to fighting? Yeah. And to be fair too, I I didn't like that about the movie either. I didn't even have the perspective that you had from the, well, it's also knowledge of the source material. You know, Bane is misdone there. Catwoman, you know, fine choice for, but it's like, yeah, I don't think they, I just thought he didn't get it. He and he yeah. didn't stick the landing. The whole yeah. thing with the whole now I'm retired and me and Catwoman are happy in Paris. And here comes 
the guy from third planet from the sun saying like oh yeah they called me robin wink yeah yeah i didn't like that either yeah, also he, it was not good that jordan uh jordan joseph gordon levitt actually did go wink yeah <laughs> you would think they would have left that on the cutting room floor yeah nolan is is much better with the kind of stuff he's doing now i mean oppenheimer's that that is totally his wheelhouse i think um i did love, i think he's uh, a guy that needs to do passion projects because when yeah. it's something he really is invested in and i think he probably was very invested in batman for the first movie and then it's warner brothers throwing money at him going you're gonna make a trilogy right he's like yeah, okay yeah. sure um but the stuff that he really cares about it shows that it's like yeah yeah wind him up let him make a christopher nolan movie yeah and and it's going to be good so i'm looking forward to it and i will say i think i may have have expressed this before as well but your your complaint with with that uh batman returns was that one no what's it called no no uh, dark knight rises the third dark knight rises is the third one okay Mm -hmm. The, the the way that they sort of misread or mis in, misinterpreted his character that where, where he just he he's faced with a challenge or uh, a uh, setback, faced emotional with grief, trauma, basically, yeah, yeah, and he just says, ah, fuck, fuck it. That this is why this is one of the reasons why many other people like me had a problem with Last Jedi and uh, mm. and Luke Skywalker's. Um, I I didn't really mind him having a crisis of faith, but the idea that he would have just walked away after that and left his sister alone to deal with all that was really, really hard for me to, to believe. And also, I, even as much as I love Yoda's scene where, where Yoda appears and says, Hey, come on, just snap out of it. Yeah. Uh, the Ooh, lesson that he Yoda. gives him, good the, Yoda. Lesson, yeah. <laughs> the lesson that he gives Luke was something that Luke already knew. Luke already knew that failure that you learned from your failure. That was the whole point of return of the Jedi too. Like the, yeah. and the whole, the whole reason why he wanted to save his dad is like, look, yeah, my dad fucked up, but I, I'm not going to kill him. Uh, you know, they're still good in him. As, uh, as a, uh, I think I, um, as a fan of that, too, Obi-Wan, it, Obi-Wan too, had already told him about failure. You know, I, I, I didn't see that as the same thing where I was like, no, I accepted it mainly because I think it was hard for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that you're wrong or that your uh, take on that is, is wrong uh, because mm-hmm. it is a disappointing turn. But I was OK with the disappointment. I think what a, what impacted a lot of people is this is the first we've seen Luke since the original trilogy. For us, it's yeah. the first we've seen. That made it worse. <laughs> that made it worse. But I think that what I was taking it from is we do understand that post return of the Jedi, he did exactly what he was setting out to do. So for me, there's that whole chunk where he's exactly the Luke that we expected. He's building the new Jedi school. He's bringing in a new generation, but we didn't get to witness any of that. So we get to see him post a really horrible thing that happened and his self exile mm-hmm. loss of faith. So it is not the place we wanted to pick up. But in my brain, I was still accepting that I didn't feel it was betrayed the end where we left them in Jedi. It's just that we weren't present for all that other stuff. Um, So it didn't sell us the impact the way it it could have of Mm -hmm. what 
would force Luke into that kind of situation. But I do get it. And was I disappointed in that? Yes. Him being this grumpy dude who's hidden out and uh, it's like, fuck it. Fuck well, all of that poor stuff. The thing about it that was good and made sense was that he was he, he was trying to point out to, to, to Ray the faults of the Jedi. Like, look, there's some stuff, stuff that there's a lot of stuff that's just fundamentally wrong yeah. with the way Je- the Jedi have been doing things. But I think the, what the answer to that should have been, let's, let's start again, but let's change the way let's, let's do it a new way instead of just, I'm just going to run away and hide on this Island. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know, but, uh, dude, I, yeah. I was upset that they burned the, the, the ancient texts because even though symbolically that's important, like, we're getting rid of the book of the wills and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm sitting there going like, those are still artifacts, man. I mean, I was well, thinking like Indiana Jones. I'm like, dude, those are the last texts. You don't yeah. destroy the past. Yeah, that's you- a Luke. <laughs> but the ancient Jedi text, the way he says it in the film. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, and this is another thing the film did not do very well. Cause it's very subtle. Ray had taken the books out of the, they weren't there. They weren't in the tree. She has them with her. And you see them in the next movie. Oh, so what the hell was it? Just like it was a misdirect. But Yoda was fucking so, with him, basically. Oh, was it like a vision Yoda he gave the, him, like some symbolic? No, there's never revealed this. It's shown to us in the film very briefly that you see Ray has all the books in a in a, in a drawer on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but what? And then what she's burned? consulting them in the next movie. Just the tree. Yoda blew up the tree, but the books weren't in the tree. I thought we actually saw the books burning. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Well, I uh, I slept through a lot of that movie. <laughs> um, I was really tired, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, wake me up when it's zoom, 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 zoom. Wake me up when you do that." Well, and that was that was that was something that was not handled very well in the movie. Like, okay, so they didn't actually blow the books up, but they really apparently obviously it wasn't important to the, the the flow of the story but it would have been funny for you to go but not in the tree the books are you know like you know, <laughs> um, a joke on you i pulled <laughs> <laughs> get used to it you shall <laughs> whatever you Fucked know. with you i have yeah, yes hey man that's not cool no <laughs> no it's very cool cool it was <laughs> <laughs> cool it was I but, think uh, that's the new T-shirt, and none of it really matters because the next movie just was terrible. I don't want to talk about that though. Well, I didn't even bring it up. You're the guy who started yeah, all this, and now I you're know, sad. So. This is what you brought on yourself. This is your oh, own yeah. sadness. I'm going to spin it back around a little. We'll end it on okay. this. All right, uh, I'm ready. Really briefly, uh, com- a commenter. Uh, oh. I'm not sure how to say their name. It's hi. Hydrolito or Hydrolito <laughs> dropped a bunch of very, very uh, deep facts on a bunch of different uh, oh, videos, mostly cool. on the time machine video. A really, a really kind of uh, clever observation that you know, in the time machine, because this is on the, on the time machine video I just posted uh, last week, which is a shortened version of episode 19. Mm-hmm. Um, he points out an interesting, they point out an interesting thing about, uh, about the time machine that we're in the time machine. We've got the, you know, this is original HG Wells, George Powell film where you've got, um, you know, the time traveler goes into the future and very, very distant future where we've got humans being subjugated by this sort of ape like spinoff of humans called Morlocks. Mm-hmm. And the planet of the apes 
Yeah. We, uh, in the far distant future, we've got humans being subjugated by intelligent apes. Yes. And a very, very kind of, I never thought about that before, but it's a kind of a similar. And also, uh, well, there's not an Eloy like race, but the, what is one of the later movies? It's the third one, maybe, is where well, they find. Don't talk. You know, they're kind of like in the novel. Well, no, they do, they do find the the human cult that's living underground right, worshiping right. the bomb. Right. Okay. Which okay. I think is kind of a, you know, again, metaphor yeah. heavy handed, but Very still it's like, we get it. We get it. So, yeah, yeah it's like the Morlocks took the surface and uh, all the intelligent humans went underground instead of the Morlocks yeah. being underground and all the intelligent humans who are pacifist and weak and walk around going, I like flowers. Um, they're the ones. You also have a similar, you have a similar moment too, where in, in the time machine, uh, where George realizes what's become of humanity. Like the, the he, he initially thinks the Eloi are these really highly enlightened, you know, right. sort of goes, like the new sheep. Greek, You're new sheep. Greek, Greek enlightenment or something, but he realizes they don't even, they don't, the books that they have are all just falling apart. The yeah. culture has been left to decay. And there's that scene where he runs back into the, the eating or the common area. He goes, yeah, filthy, <laughs> filthy screws. They're like, I'm going to go back to my own time. At least I can die among men. And, and I and think he, he a goes, really good, goes, ah! <laughs> like, I think a really good future, uh, future world, triple feature as in heavy metaphor, looks into our future would be George Powell's time machine, uh, planet of the apes and Zardoz. Oh. Zardoz <laughs> is batshit insane, but it has this similar thing where you get past some of the, well, no, you can't get past how weird it is, but the whole idea <laughs> of the way humankind has, there are some people, they're all very passive. The sex drive is almost entirely gone, but the, the people that Sean Connery represents, those are the low men. They're the ones who are, who still, they're considered animals because they still have sex and they're aggressive. Uh, and, and in other words, it's, it's another big commentary movie of the same period where they're like going, mm -hmm. dude, humanity will eventually become really weak or they'll just divide between weakness and what they consider uncivilized. And the uncivilized people are actually the real humans because they feel, damn it, they feel and they live. Ugh! And meanwhile, the aesthetes become these like languid, yes, it's a wonderful day today, that kind of thing. So um, I would watch those three movies together and then I would take a long nap. <laughs> I'd never saw Zardoz. You've never seen Zardoz? No. Uh, you've got to watch it. It I, is insane. All I know is that I can't remember. I put the comic away, but I have that Superman comic where there's a yeah, character where he's, he's Vartox, where he Vartox. <laughs> he's drawn like Sean Connery in Zardoz. Only they've given him slightly more clothes because in Zardoz, balding and hairy chested Sean Connery's basically running around in a red diaper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre, man. You got to see it anyway. So. Oh, and I guess you could also include, man, it's now four movies. Logan's Run is also another good yeah. movie of that period that's yeah. doing a, this is where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's a whole nother, a whole that's nother a whole rabbit other. hole. We could do a whole thing. Um, anyway, but continue with maybe, what this person said. Well, and it just, just reminded me of, I hadn't thought about these movies in a while, where the, uh, the Planet of the Apes uh, reboot trilogy that came out a few years ago yes which i really enjoyed and i matt I, reeves 
And I have forgotten. I forgot. Yeah, I've forgotten that Matt Reeves directed the second two. There's also, I didn't know this until just before that we recorded this, that there's a fourth movie coming out. Yeah, next, I've heard. Next year that Matt Reeves, of course, is not doing because he's busy doing the Batman. He's busy. Now. He's busy. But uh, I'm intrigued by that. I just hope it doesn't suck since I don't know how many people from the original trilogy are, are involved in it now. Mm. But I, that that's one example of, of a reboot that I thought was... Uh, unusually good i um, thought every now and then it happens yeah um i mean i again talking about classic tv i was like you just can't do lost in space well and then that movie with gary oldman and that was so good and you had lacey chabert in it and you had a uh, matt leblanc that lost in space movie Woo! I'm being incredibly facetious. Sorry. It's a piece of garbage. <laughs> I will say I really enjoyed the first season of the Netflix Lost in Space show from um Yeah, that was an interesting. The second season I didn't I I I, I did watch it. I, I didn't it didn't have quite the same I didn't enjoy it as much. But season one was great and it was a good reimagining. Very good. Yeah. Parker Posey is the new Dr. Smith. And we were talking about Dr. Smith earlier. So That's right. Was- I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I thought those movies were really good. They were. And, uh, I want to uh, revisit them. Yeah. The way that, that that first movie in particular, which wasn't a Matt Reeves directed one, I forget who directed the first one. Isn't um, it that French guy? It's that uh, first guy. No, the French guy. French guy? I think he's a French guy. I, I could had be it wrong. Open and I've closed it. Well, anyway, good. I I thought that movie was was so well. It really was locked and, and scripted, and the way it's pay- the pacing is so great. You got the, and Andy got Circus, king of the mocap. Andy's yeah, Andy Circus and and um, uh, Jonathan. Um, damn it, what's his name? Not Jonathan, right? Fella guy. No, the guy who plays the father. Um, God damn it, my brain, my aging brain. D- you're gonna be okay. Just deep breaths, man. Deep. Deep breath. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Oh, John Lithgow. Or Lithgow, yeah. Man, he's great. He's, he's fantastic in that film. He is uh, really damn good. Wait, what am I? What am I? Then uh, James Franco, who unfortunately has turned out to be kind of creepy, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I was wrong about it being a French guy. It was Rupert Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt. Rupert okay. Wyatt. Um, yeah, yeah, he's problematic. I'm tired of people being problematic. I know, God damn it! It's like they didn't listen to me when I said, "Hey, just be good people." Could you? Could you not? Yeah. <laughs> could you not? Another good T-shirt idea. Yeah. Uh, that'll be our second one. There'll be the Peace Apps T-shirt, and then the Could You Not T-shirt is going to be another. <laughs> could you not? Yeah, I remember you saying that to me when I was uh, <laughs> clumsily revealing spoilers for Aliens Three. <laughs> you had a surprise. You just kept saying, "Could you not? Could you not?" Oh, sorry. <laughs> Man, I should have said, go ahead and spoil it, because it seems like it's going to be a real stink burger. Um, It is not good, but it is well directed because that's, you know, Fincher saying, like, I'm going to show the world what I can do. And he is a great director, but that movie is a stink burger. And then the fourth one, I don't even want to talk about. I don't even want to talk about it. It's so weird what they did with that franchise. I don't understand why they thought. I kept saying. Just the reason, everything that was great about the second one. Reason one and two work is because they're not the same movie. 
and right. it expands. It takes the story and it expands. And I always say this, this isn't, I mean, I was saying this from the get-go. It is about cancer. The xenomorph is a cancer, and that's the way it spreads. And I think Cameron got that because he, first one's the Haunted House movie. There's only one, but it strikes, it kills, da-da-da, she's against it, she wins. But then the next one is about there's more of them. It should have just kept expanding the third one. Everyone in the world was like, well, they come to Earth, right? And then it's like a huge invasion movie. That's what it should have been. No, let's shrink the focus back down to another haunted house. Only this time it's on a prison Mm -hmm. planet. And let's make sure we do, as you said, chop off every storyline and character from the previous movie that people were invested in by Mm -hmm. having a leak in the life support. Yeah, that's what we wanted. Dead Newt, Dead Hicks. Man, fuck that movie. Now I'm angry again. What's his name? What was Lance's character's name? Uh, Um, Bishop. Bishop. Bishop, yeah. Yeah. Decapitated Bishop. I guess he wasn't Decapitated, really yeah, it was like half a bishop. Yeah. <laughs> Can I please have some more milk that is apparently android blood? Thank you. Which, by I the way, a bit I, more milk. I know you, you probably haven't seen it yet, but uh, uh, Artifice Girl, which was the, the indie sci-fi. Oh, right. That you told I mentioned about. a while back. Mm-hmm. He has a, a actually a pretty big part. He's in the, the it's, a, it's a movie just, uh, I think it's shown in the three three acts and he's he has a big role in the third act um and it's very fitting that he plays this role he's not he doesn't play an android doesn't play an android in the film but he plays the creator of an android so it's just well lance henriksen uh is always solid yeah he's one of those guys like john and i will you know in our podcast we run across plenty of return people where you're like this is a really good actor that always ends up in these crap movies but they always deliver i mean ron perlman for instance always he he has had extremely big things that he's known for like signature things but he also will take a paycheck and end up in a terrible movie and we've seen a couple of terrible movies that he's in and you're like going that guy's not sleepwalk he's not phoning it in he's doing as good a job in this movie as he did in in sons of anarchy or anything else it's like that guy's just solid and Lance mm-hmm. Henriksen's the same. He's like, you're going to get a good Lance Henriksen uh, performance, even if it's a fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> and I'm sorry I had to cuss. I'm sorry you've got to bleep this later. I hope you've got it down to one button. Bloop, bloop. Yeah, yeah. Bloop, bloop. Well, oh, good on I've you, been, motherfucker. I've been using, <laughs> I just did it again. I got to show, show you where I'm getting all the, the, bit, the sounds that I'm using to, to do the bleeping. Yeah, they all come. They all come from this Looney Tunes thing that I found. <laughs> I don't even know what cartoon it came from. I found it on online where it's just somebody posted a video of just the, all these stock Looney Tunes sound effects. Well, and they released is, CDs of them. I I have. Yeah, that's probably uh, where it came Barbera from. And uh, Warner Brothers both released like classic sound effects from there, and I have those. Yeah, jealous. Well, I, and I yes. Okay. I call the file Silly Brigade because that's what it sounds like. But it's <laughs> yeah. just and you can you listen to it, you know that it was just recorded on one track with probably about five or six sound effects guys all standing yeah. in a row doing there's one guy keeping a rhythm and then they're going they're just doing all these crazy noises and sound effects. And one of my favorite things from that is one guy going, Point <laughs> I've used that so many times. It's so great. But, <laughs> but there's like 
there's like six or seven different sounds and I've been using those. That's one of those like things where and it hits me occasionally because I do the live radio show here and we have a Foley artist, my friend David Ian. Hi, that's a shout out to David Ian. He's great. But the Foley artistry, it always strikes me as like people don't think about it when they're watching cartoons and stuff that it was literally someone's job and yeah. may still be in some animation departments. Someone's job is literally sit there going, hack, yeah. I'm like, wow, what a wonderful world we live in. That was somebody's paycheck was making a wacky, oh, weird they were sound. Geniuses. And yeah. there's one one classic Looney Tune sound I have not been able to find. And I was specifically trying to find it when I stumbled across these other these other uh recordings, these other sound effects. Which one it's is the it? one they do? It's the one they do when somebody goes it's either like does a, a double take or they're they zip out of frame or something. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> oh i know that one yeah i, I can't find it anywhere I thought it was gonna be the one that's uh, it's in my uh brain. it's like uh there's this one that's like this for um anything that's spinning in midair that yeah. they do and that's it's one good. i always look for yeah 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 <laughs> that one that one i love too i yeah. yeah 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 i love it <laughs> um man we've devolved into yeah, this yeah. <laughs> Make sure you cut all of this for the actual episode. The other one, really iconic one, which I don't, I haven't used, was that the Hanna, Hanna Barbera kooky laugh. Uh, <laughs> Whatever, that, oh, I can't do it exactly. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Uh, the, I think they, they you used should to use on a uh, banana splits a lot too. Yes, I think you should use more often the uh, goofy laugh, which is still the best one Disney ever had. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whenever he's falling off a cliff. I yeah. fucking love that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what else does our friend say? Let's let's wrap up on another thing. He, he dropped a lot of facts, or they dropped a lot of facts about uh, things we talked about. One thing he says because your your bit with Captain Crunch and Thanos, yeah, in that video, yeah. He, Is he going to bankroll uh, my movie? <laughs> says I think Captain Crunch uh, might have a better chance against Captain Hook. <laughs> 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 yeah, probably so. It's probably well. It'd be easier to get the glove off. Wait, no, that's didn't, not true. <laughs> didn't Captain Crunch have a, a canonical villain in the cartoon? In yes, the commercials. Jean Lafoot, the barefoot <laughs> pirate. Jean Lafoot. Um, it's a play on Jean Lafitte, actual historical pirate. Um, but Jean Lafoot, uh, in my graphic novel Breakfast of the Gods, uh, they have a climactic final battle in my thing but it's actually a nasty surprise i don't want to spoil it a graphic novel that i wrote over a decade ago yeah but uh it's very violent but it's also i'm very proud of the panel if anyone looks up my comic and finds that one shot i was like man i i pulled that off every now and then yep. give myself the ow ow it's right scourging of pride go and buy it because i've the link to purchase the uh the novel or go buy it all three books in one volume this complete breakfast of the gods with guest art in the back from people and uh a forward by my friend john schnepp r.i.p my friend john schnepp yeah he wrote the forward and did one of the pages of art he did a a guest he he was like Cause I let, I was like, these are the stories I want to include as extras. They're one pager stories. I was like, so I was handing them out amongst friends who were artists. I was like, John, which one do you want? He's like going, 
the one where Chocula meets Frankenberry for the first time. I was like, yours. And he did a great wow. job. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So I, uh, I've been plugging yeah. that book in the description. I appreciate you plugging the book and our Indiegogo for Tesla City Stories. I, I yes. appreciate it, guys. Uh, Chad, Chad's band doesn't need your help. Chad's band Blackguards has been playing for basically 48 <laughs> years. They've got multiple greatest hits albums out. They don't need the help. All of my things, they need your help. So I appreciate yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. Go see Blackguards when they play near you. You're about to go to Wisconsin. Is that it? Minnesota? I don't know. No, we're, we're, going, <laughs> we're going to Montana. Montana. Uh, that's it. In a few weeks. Yeah. We just got back from Missouri and uh, Arkansas. Man. Uh, which is how, why I haven't had time to edit uh, uh, episode 28. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the first uh, time since we've launched the show that I haven't had time that I haven't actually finished this previous episode before recording the next one. It's okay, man. Cut yourself yeah. some slack. You're a busy fella. Okay. All right. Uh, and well, like, cool. like Professor Jones. Oh, by the way, I did love that we finally heard the lyrics to the theme song. I was really pleased at the end credits of Dial of Destiny where they finally put the lyrics in. He's Indiana or Dr. Jones. He's Indiana or Dr. Goddamn Jones. He's Indiana or Dr. Jones. If you're a Nazi, he'll whip you. If he sees you, you're dead. Nazi, Dr. Jones. He's Indiana or Dr. Jones. Yeah, I was like, finally. <laughs> Just, that's why I, I always heard uh, Indiana Jones, but I, I never really knew. I didn't think to, think to do it the way you did. I like he's Indiana or Doctor Jones or Doctor Jones Indiana or Doctor Goddamn Jones. Depends on the professional context. Is he wearing a hat? Then you call him Indy. Does he have glasses and a tweed suit? He's Doctor Jones. Uh, anyway. I did love it, and I'm glad we both got to basically yeah. tell everyone they're wrong and and <laughs> shut up because it's a yeah. damn fine movie. And all right. I was going to mention this or really quickly. I was going to mention this earlier that almost all of the sequels, almost all, all of the sequels to to the first movie, were met with mixed reviews. Not not as mixed as this one. I think you're Brandon. right. I think Last but Crusade was the one that pretty much everyone I didn't, didn't love. Like Temple of Doom when it came out. And we're 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 now ranking it lower than Dial of Destiny, both Brandon and I. Actually, I uh, liked Temple of Doom when it first you liked came Temple out. Doom, did you? I, I did. I, I liked I the I liked the darker take, and I liked the fact that it purposely veered away from Judeo Christian artifacts. Oh, also another thing I loved in Dial of Destiny. Sorry, one last thing. I love that it sets up the fake artifact at the beginning. The spear yes. of the spear of Longinus is literally something that is. I'm sure there are so many spec scripts for Indiana Jones movies out there that feature it because the spear of destiny, Hitler actually was looking for it. It supposedly would give you power. That's oh, legit. Wow. So the idea that it sets that up and it's like going, no man, this is totally a fake. Yeah. I was like, great because Archimedes dial is not a religious object. It is not tied into Judeo Christian myth. So I like the Shankara stones for the same reason, because it's like, Indy's not just going after like holy grails and stuff like that. It's like there are all kinds of artifacts with power in them. And I like the Indy's not just like going, if it ain't tied in with Jesus and his dad, I don't want it. Right, right, right. 
Anyway, yeah. And so, and as much as I loved Last Crusade, and as much as as River Phoenix was was, oh, that opening still. There's no way they could have cast a better young person to play a young. R.I.P. to board. him he, as well. He he even had the rink the the, the thing with the he captured he crossed, it. He and angry. a young guy uh, who's a talented young actor is able to embody an older actor. Like he probably watched it a million times. Like oh, he does this a lot, and then is like yeah. he's inhabits great. But the thing I didn't like about that kind of bugged me about that opening sequence is there's so much in that opening sequence oh, that's of on, course. on the nose. All all the things, all the things that become synonymous yeah. with him, he gets in one afternoon. In one, yeah, <laughs> on the same train. Basically. I'm afraid of snakes. Scar, hat. It belongs in a museum. Whip. It's just literally yeah. one whips everything one after the other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's too much. That's yeah. too much. I mean, Batman. It took him years to put on a bat suit. Now I'm angry again. Anyway, uh, go see Dial of Destiny. That's your job, your mission. Should you accept it, and it will. This will self destruct in five seconds. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time for yes. episode number thirty. Holy crap! Big steps number thirty. Yeah. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Mm. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs>